Welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, it has been 53 months since Julian Assange was arrested. I think, you know, periodically from time to time, we should just remind readers that that thing is still going on um, because it, you know, it keeps dropping out of the news. We should probably bring it up from time to time. Yeah, well, I, I salute him in prison because uh, I happen to be one who believes that he shouldn't be there. And uh, I think that the torture he's undergone since being arrested is uh, abominable. So, uh, it, you know, uh, because journalists seem to forget rather quickly these days, um, even about the biggest stories, I, I think it's worth reminding people. Um, I don't know what, uh, what the schedule is for possible resolution of his situation, um, but they sure are dragging it out. Yeah, it's just amazing that we grew up in an era when, you know, anybody who would even remotely be considered a political prisoner, that was just an ongoing regular news story. So whether it was, uh, you know, Nelson Mandela, Sakharov, um, you know, anybody who's behind bars for any reason that doesn't have to do with a crime, um, we would cover that uh, pretty regularly. But the Assange mm -hmm. story is just, it has no footprint in uh, Western media at all. Uh, and I think it's just worth pointing out from time to time how, how incredible that is, given what a huge figure he was, uh, even with those same organizations not that long ago. So. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's been blotted out. And uh, uh, to say I feel for him is an understatement. Um, I hope we get to hear from him again. I admire his family and his, uh, his colleagues for keeping uh, vigil and uh, it's been too long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this was an incredibly busy, crazy uh, news week. We've had a couple that were a little placid recently uh, in comparison to most of the last, most of the run of this show, but uh, this was not one of them. Uh, right after our last broadcast, the, there was a big decision in the Missouri v. Biden uh, censorship case. Uh, we either will or will not get to that. Um, then there was a sort of cascade of other stories that came after, uh, some involving Ukraine, some involving the DNC and RFK and the Democratic Party election. And then probably more recently, the, the one that I think you and I both found really interesting was this sudden White House uh, diktat to the media, maybe diktat's a strong word, they're allowed to do this, but sure. um, there was a, a kind of a remarkable episode just in, in terms of media. Uh, the White House put out a 14-page appendix and a two-page letter to, and sent it to basically all the major news organizations in the country, instructing them basically to ignore any upcoming impeachment story. And Walter, do you have any reactions first, just sort of at first blush to the whole idea of a White House official sending letter, a letter to the press? Is that okay? Is it not okay? Sure, it's fine. Uh, it's fine that they do it. It's uh, not unprecedented. When uh, the Mona Lewinsky thing started and I was working at Time Magazine, uh, we got, or I got, because I was asked to sort of pay attention to the story and maybe write about it. Uh, a long uh, memo, uh, absolutely um, 
demonizing and uh, damaging the reputation, attempting to damage the reputation of Monica Lewinsky. It was scurrilous as hell. Um, it went so far as to call her a sort of promiscuous liar and so on. Um, and uh, it was it, it, it didn't it didn't sit well with me. However, uh, I, I remember getting it and going, "Wow, this is how they operate." Um, it was, however, behind the scenes and uh, nothing that got reported on in itself. And I didn't see its phrasings and uh, its wordings appear immediately in print. But this is a little different. This thing came out, and I don't know how private it was, or if you know, it doesn't seem anybody in the press felt the need to. Uh, uh, not report on it. They reported on it immediately. And what was strange yeah, is, and, and just, just sorry, just just to quickly make make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. This is a letter that came from a special assistant to the president named Ian Sams, and it went out basically to every every major news organization. Some of them reported it. The Hill uh, posted the entire letter, so it's not like it was. Doesn't seem like it was appended to any request that it remain private. Right. Right. But, but what was sorry. what was amazing, and let's take CNN's reporting on it uh, as a case in point, was that many of the same stories that reported the existence of the letter also then stopped quoting the letter and opined in the very same phrases the letter used about the impeachment investigation. In other words, it was a strange spectacle to see them uh, disclosing this letter. And then reverting supposedly to their own personalities and rehashing it as though it were gospel in the same piece. I it sometimes. Yeah, which is confusing. It's jarring as as a as a news consumer, right? You don't uh, when the lines between politician and the media, politicians and the media get blurred. It, it's unsettling. I think it has a, um, yeah. So the, the, the effect of, um, you know, when, when the audience doesn't know whether they're dealing with the voice of the newspaper or whether it's a quote from a, from a politician or whether it's a mixture of both, uh, it's confusing and it's kind of in keeping with the kind of general theme of the blurring of lines between institutions that used to check each other. Um, now they're kind of morphing into one big bureaucratic entity. And uh, yeah, I think that was confusing. And it, uh, I mean, you've seen like sort of oppo books, right? Like during campaigns, this is a sure. standard thing that happens in campaigns. Like campaigns hire, will hire a private company, like you know, Fusion GPS is a classic, a classic example. They will basically do research that's designed to be planted directly in news stories and typically the the journalist doesn't actually see the book it just gets pieces of it get sent to the journalist um periodically you learn this or that fact you get sent to this or that address or this or old story uh, but it's all in the book if you've ever actually seen it some of them can get as long as 40 or 50 pages but this 14 page thing read exactly like that and it gets sent out and then they report it and then, as you say, they, they do, they, they 
they not only report it, but then they they go on to ape all the themes in in the Oppo book, which was really weird. It was a th- these stories were crazy artifacts. Now imagine a hostage video in which uh, you know you first see the captor say, let's say they're a North Korean soldier, um, airman. Uh, Tell the people that the running dogs of capitalism will be defeated and they have no hope against the United North Korean people. And then you go to the airman and he says, come to think of it, the running dogs of capitalism uh, have no hope of defeating the United Korean, North Korean people. And, and, and I was like, so why are they doing this? They're not only, they're not only repeating the themes, they're not only taking whole word uh, clusters out of quotes and then voicing them in their own uh, uh, voice. But they're showing us that they're doing it. This, they're not hiding it. In fact, they're kind of boasting of it. They're saying, you know, we got this letter telling us what to say. And now we're going to say it because it's true. Um, and it was a kind of coming out party for state media, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, listen, we're not going to hide this anymore. We get instructions, and the instructions are true and correct, and we're good soldiers, and now we will repeat them. And there it is. You needn't have any conspiracy theories about our collusion with spokespeople uh, from the top anymore. And the CNN piece was amazing because one of the lines in the letter was uh, to the effect of, and I think these are the actual words, we depend on, quote, the independent media to uh, (laughs) tell the truth. Oh, that's right. That's right. So so, so here, Uh, you know, how independent can a media be if it's receiving orders and then following them? But they are now in some sort of you know, never, never land or fifth dimension in which they can both show their lack of independence and celebrate their independence Cover it. in the right. same piece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So this is the line. Uh, so it's a quote. Um, Covering impeachment as a process story, Republicans say X, but the White House says Y is a disservice to the American public who relies on the independent press to hold those in power accountable, Sam wrote. Uh, Sam's wrote. Um, he's actually so telling... Yeah, that's a line in the scene. He's actually telling them there's only one side to this story, and we only want you to report one side. You know... Right, right. Why, yeah. why not X, okay? And then right, they do right. it. Don't, don't do this he said, she said thing. That's, <laughs> you, you can't do that, because this is not that kind of story. Uh, that would be a disservice, so you must... You know, it's the same thing as President Carter's total funny story. Everyone must laugh. It's the because same you're thing. So, because you're so independent. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you, and you so prize your independence. Um, so, independ- but- so independence, by the way, is the latest uh, word to go down the or- Orwellian tubes. Independence means compliance. Okay. Right. Let's set right. that one in stone, write it on the wall and leave it there. 
That's a good one. We, I, should, I should write that up for my, my little uh, New Orwellian dictionary. But yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. It means the opposite of what we thought it meant a few years ago. Um, but what, when, when you were just talking about how they're not even bothering to hide it, I, I suddenly remembered, you know what that reminds me of is the old Penn and Teller trick. You know the cups and balls trick? No, I want to know. In magic? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's three cups on the table and you're and you're trying to guess where the ball is. Right. And they're so slick and moving the cups around that the audience always guesses wrong. Right. Well, Penn and Teller thought, well, that's boring. Let's do that. But let's do it with clear cups. Uh, so the audience can't even see uh, when when we do the, you know, the when we put it into the into the wrong cup. And it's it's like incredible. I saw that live when I was like 16. Um, gave me so much respect for them as magicians, but this uh, this is just like that. They're, it's clear cups and balls. They're not um, hiding the fact that they're doing pulling a trick on you. So just to give an example of the kind of thing that went on this week. So Sam sends, sends this letter. One of the top lines in the uh, appendix, it was a two-part thing. There was a two-part sort of introductory letter, and then there was a uh, a seven-part, um, a two-page introductory letter and a seven-part appendix that went on for 14 pages. In the appendix, one of the top lines says, the facts show, uh, and here he's talking about um, a form that the FBI uses to memorialize tips. Uh, FBI FD1023 forms are simply the memorialization of tips to the FBI. They are not documented proof, and allegations do not need to be corroborated to be included on the form. They are simply unverified claims. And they're talking about a tip they got uh, from a source that Joe Biden was maybe taking money from, uh, I believe it was Burisma in that case, right? So they are simply unverified claims. Instantaneously, we get, we, we, we get headlines um, that say the following. Here, here's an example. Uh, from the AP. This actually preceded, but but um, it gets the point. Uh, Grassley releases full FBI memo with unverified claims about Hunter Biden's uh, work in Ukraine. Uh, then there's the Hill. Republicans release FBI form with unverified Biden-Burisma allegations. ABC, in rare move, Grassley releases unverified FBI source report alleging uh, Biden involvement in bribe. So there's two things that I have a problem here. One is using the exact same words that you're handed by the White House. The other thing is, isn't un, unverified allegations redundant? Um, exactly. Do we, do we have to say that twice now? Do we think the audiences are so stupid that they, that they need to be told two times in the same headline what to think? Uh, like the, the terror uh, that journalists now have that audiences might deduce something on their own is now such that they can't let it go for even half a sentence anymore. And remember, it's an impeachment investigation. It's not an impeachment, uh, you know, proceeding. So it is the nature of an investigation to attempt to discover and prove things. Um, so uh, the very idea of an investigation is being challenged here. Because if it hasn't already uh, attained certainty, it shouldn't go on. 
It's a total catch-22 in terms of right. what they're asserting here. You know, no investigation should be launched unless all of its uh, conclusions are already proved. But we can't prove them right. until and, and, we investigate them. So you just can't do it, I guess. Uh, I don't know. And, and by the way, in, the impeachment process was designed specifically to sort of mimic exactly what you're talking about. Like the the way it works is you're impeached if the House of Representatives uh, votes to impeach you, but you can only be removed if the Senate convicts with a two-thirds majority. It's a very high right. bar over there. It's less so on the other side. In fact, it's to be expected that there's going to be a majority of the other party very often when the president's in office in the House. Um, but essentially, the, the House investigation acts sort of like a grand jury investigation, and they sort of return an indictment, and then the Senate acts as like the real jury in the case. So the, the initial impeachment, uh, it, as you say, it's supposed to be an investigation, among other things. Um, right. there, there should not be a prohibitive barrier to starting it that's so ridiculously high. Uh, now, I don't know how you feel about it. Like, I, I think impeachment should be like a really high barrier from what i've seen so far i probably like wouldn't vote to convict yet i don't know on on any of this stuff i, I didn't think so in the first trump indictment either um the second one you know maybe i, I think might have been convictable it's it's uh depending on how you look at things but you can't say there's no evidence in this case can you walter i mean i think that's whether or yeah. not you think it's so convincing that it that it's decisive and and calls for somebody to remove from office, that's one thing. But we're not talking about that, are we? Well, you know, retaining the slight modesty of the journalist I once was, even if I thought the uh, evidence and the charges were dispositive, I wouldn't say so. It's not in my uh, bailiwick to say whether a president should be impeached. Um, or whether I think that there's enough evidence to do so, but that there is evidence, I think it's clear to everyone. And I've got to say, I mean, who are we fooling? There were two Trump impeachments, uh, he, both of which succeeded, but did not succeed at trial. And uh, uh, the evidence in them, I don't know, man, was pretty slight. It wasn't, and in the second one, it wasn't gathered over any period at all in any kind of uh, truly arduous investigatory process. It was a quick impeachment. Um, in the first one, the evidence seemed to be some phone call he made or transcripts of a phone call. Um, you know, we've got at least that in this case. So, there, I mean, the. It's ridiculously disingenuous for the Democrats who probably lowered the bar on impeachment more than it ever has been to now be all shocked, shocked about uh, turnabout. Right. Um, this is uh, very Captain Renault, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. But 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 also, um, I, I really want to get back to what I think is the uh, salient feature of this uh, letter and its reception, which is that it was processed before our very eyes into headlines and stories that actually uh, repeated its its 
its not only its claims, but its verbiage. And I go, now why would they do this? Were they literally competing with each other? Oh, I said literally. I've got to stamp that out. But put a dollar into the literally <laughs> jar. <laughs> exactly. But, 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 but were they competing? Were they competing to show compliance, prompt and total and full? I mean, I, I can imagine the, the the sort of story editor or whatever at one of these places, one of these papers or one of these cable channels going like, hey, wait, it's been an hour since we got this letter. Have we repeated its charges yet? Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> did we rephrase some of the, uh, did we rephrase some of the requests? I uh, know we're going to do them literally. Good. Um, get it out before the other guy does. <laughs> um, it, it's an, it's the opposite of a scoop. Okay. Uh, let, let's yeah, what take, would that, what would that be? Uh, pooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite of the scoop. It's a pooks. Um, let's do what we were publicly told to do faster and more um uh you know more submissively than our competitors. Uh and then at the end of the day they sit around, hey, look, boss, uh everybody else ran the story and they ran it exactly the same way we did, but they did it just a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 beat them. Uh, yeah, we, we we yeah. What what would the term be? Is that is that a win? Is that a- I, I I don't know. Uh, sort of um, choral competition to to sing right. loudest in the chorus. Um, you right. Know, uh, uh, but uh, I and and you know I joke about it, but putting the spectacle before the people was really a way of saying listen. Uh, we get our orders, we follow our orders, we do it because our orders are correct. Um, we do it all together because we all get the same orders. What you gonna do about it? You know, uh, the state media, you bet. Right, right, yeah. I, I mean, there were there were things that happened with this letter and the coverage that we're sort of mind blowing is, I mean, I think journalism professors will look back at moments like this and, and kind of pull an, a WTF about this whole thing. Here's the chronology for uh, this week. Uh, Ian Sam sends out that letter, I believe on a Wednesday morning. Is that right? Is it Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, something like that? I'm not going to. In the letter. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was certainly this week. Let's put it that right, way. I, right. I there's there's no timestamp on the letter, uh, but but for sure it was this week. One of the letter the lines in the letter says, "For years, Republicans have tried to muddy the waters by attracting media coverage of their allegations." Uh, and then he goes on, blah blah blah, and he talks about what's wrong with the investigation. That same night, because I think it did come out uh, Wednesday, seven twenty four p.m. on Wednesday night. Headline in the Washington Post, it's a column by Paul Kane. McCarthy, struggling to govern, throws impeachment chum into the waters. So it's the <laughs> same. I mean, muddy waters, chum waters, right? Okay, so step three, almost immediately after that, Sam's retweets the article and says, McCarthy, struggling to govern, throws impeachment chum into the waters. Uh, he can, quote, he, quote, can never quite... Uh, sufficiently appease his far right flank. So 
This is Ian Sams planting a, qu- a quote in the media, which dutifully repeats it in a headline in the Washington Post, which he then retweets as if it's news. It's and the whole thing's out in the open. That that's the thing that's so amazing about it. Like the in the Cheney episode, they didn't public publicize it. Right. The first part. Here we have the whole thing. We get to see the whole deal. Uh, I mean, it seems it's crazy, isn't it? You know, it's a great way to quell conspiracy theories to do your conspiracies right out in the open. Um, uh, nobody needs to, you know, do any dot connecting on this one. They drew us a picture. Uh, here's the circle. Here's how it works. It's like those beams that show, you know, arrows going around in a circle. You know, <laughs> right. I tell you what to say. You say it. I quote you saying it. But then there's, Matt, another step which you picked out, which is then journalism professor praises. Oh, my God. Oh, that, that was another great one. Yeah. So I guess we got to well, let's dig that one up. So so they kept using the phrase no evidence uh, without evidence in in the uh, in the letter. And this was picked up by a surprisingly large number of mainstream news organizations, including a wire service, the AP actually put without evidence in the headline, which you, you can be dismissive of the evidence, but you can't say there's no evidence in this case, right? You can be unconvinced by it. This is the same error that Philip Bump made in his conversation with Noam Dorman. Like, eventually he concedes, okay, that is evidence, it's evidence, right? After saying, I'll show that it, there was none. Um, so, this ends up in headlines. Vanity Fair immediately that same day uh, puts out a, a headline. Kevin McCarthy, this is a tweet headline actually, but Kevin McCarthy is ordering House committees to open an, uh, an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden despite re- uh, Republicans having uh, uncovered no evidence of wrongdoing by the president. Jay Rosen, NY- NYU journalism professor who I'm embarrassed to say I used to think was a sharp guy, uh, but he he puts in he he grabs this tweet and writes, "See, it's not that hard. You don't have to wait until the 14th paragraph to introduce the information that there's no evidence to support an impeachment inquiry. You can even be begin there. After all, it's newsworthy that the Republicans would attempt would attempt it on such grounds. So he's saying that not only should you say there's no evidence, but you should cover the story." As if the story was the the bogus the bogosity of the Republican uh, attempts. He, he, this he, is mind blowing. It's tantamount to a suggestion that you don't need the story; you just need the headline. Um, right. Uh, you know wh- why make people read sto- whole stories in order to uh, support a point? Just put the point up the top at the top and whatever. Uh, and that is voiced as the uh, as the um, expertise of a professor here, uh, giving us a lesson on how journalism can change and probably should. Uh, uh, remember how we used to uh, build a case before we made a, a controversial point. Let's just make the point. Right. Let's yeah. Not, like let, let's not make it. Let's just. Uh, state it yeah let's just tell you what what what, what to think and, and this i think not to get 
you know too meta about this but i th- this to me is like the essence of the the structural change in journalism in like the last 5 to 10 years we we used to default to um i, I would even say sort of wimpy uh clinically neutral language, whenever there was any area of uncertainty, uh, the whole idea in journalism is we don't want to be caught saying something that's wrong, right? Because Mm -hmm. that was the big crime in journalism. The thing that could end your career was getting a big fact wrong or or repeatedly doing it or whatever it was. So if we didn't know for sure, we'd say allegedly, reportedly, right? It was always, we don't know. There's this thing out there. Here's what we do know. We'll tell you. And then we did that because we were trying to stay in the area of what we knew for sure and then let put it on the reader, make it their responsibility to decide what to make of all this. Right. And that that was it was a relationship that was defined. We're telling you we're doing the best we can. Um, That's our job. Your job is to evaluate this. And if we. You know, we start stepping into your world. Let us know, and you know if you <laughs> and if you misinterpret us, we'll let you know. But uh, but, but Matt, there were lines. It, it seemed to yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's sad that we have to remind people of what now appears to be ancient history. Um, but they're making it ancient as fast as they can. Uh, if we're to derive precepts for the new journalism manual from what we've just discussed, they are these. Do not believe that there are two sides to political stories. There is only one in many cases and in this one. So don't even bother citing the other one. That was the X and Y business. Also, if you have a conclusion, put it up at the top rather than down after you've shown it to be valid or, uh, you know, credible. And, uh, so let's be one-sided, let's be lopsided, and let's do it very quickly so that people don't have to read first to get to it. Right. Right, yeah. And let's make sure that, that not three or four words goes by without telling people exactly how they're supposed to understand any set of facts so, like, for instance, here's the you, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I, no, you've got something. Uh, I've just got bullshit opinions. You've got no, no. <laughs> material in front of you. Well, just quickly. So here's here's the AP headline that triggered, uh, interestingly triggered, actually, some real criticism among other journalists, which I thought was cool. But uh, the AP tweets this out. Since gaining the House majority, House Republicans have in- aggressively investigated Biden and his son, claiming without evidence that they engaged in an influence peddling scheme. So, again, we would that would have been totally verboten even certainly 10 years ago, I would think. Uh, But even five years ago, six years ago, well, this happened after Trump. uh, Russia, Russia gate blew it all to hell because this circular construction that we're talking about where you, you know, feed something, then get it fed back. And now you get acclaimed for it by a journalism professor. this stuff started with Russiagate, and this term "without evidence" is its is itself a kind of cliche or uh, a, a tick that has to be attached to every uh, other sentence. It, it seems. Um, so, 
Certainly uh, every Trump story. Yeah, every Trump story and now every anti-Biden story. But, you know, the fact is, Matt, they're not being asked to um, hmm, not, not be fair. They're ask, being asked to be absolutely monolithic. And, and, and it's not an anti-Biden story to report on an impeachment proceeding. It's simply the facts. It's what's going on in Washington. But here they're being commanded, every time you mention impeachment, make sure to say it's an unjust and unwarranted impeachment. Um, and so where are you to even go to find out the, the bare objective facts of what's going on? They're, they're, they're being asked in, uh, attached to every such account an op-ed. Which, which makes it almost unnavigable for an ordinary uh, news consumer. Now, we should point out, this kind of thing was really, I mean, Fox News did do it for years, right? They, they, they kind of invented the, the editorialized headline. Mm -hmm. um, they, they did this in ways that had never been seen before, dating all the way back to the early 90s. But this open kind of collaboration like this, this melding of state messaging and certainly the mainstream legacy press, which, you know, was never marketed as a, um, as a politicized uh, product uh, in the same way that Fox was. Um, I think this is new. And, and it's funny, you talk about the, the phrase how this phrase came into being with Trump. I just found this. NPR even did a salutary story about its own use of the phrase without evidence um, years ago. Uh, so they did a story. Here's, it's by Kelly McBride. Without evidence is a new catchphrase at NPR. Um, when a reporter asked Donald Trump for his thoughts on the teenager who killed two protesters and injured a third person in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Trump said it looked like self-defense. The lead of the NPR story later that day reads that Trump claimed, quote, without evidence that it appeared the gunman was acting in self-defense. Uh, then it's over the last week, NPR listeners re and readers noted the shorthand use of evidence a number of times, as well as several other stories where a fact check lacked force or was altogether missing. Uh, I've previously pointed out that it's insufficient when reporting on the administration's claims that quote, mail -in, that mail-in ballots are vulnerable to counterfeiting. Um, to, uh, well, anyway, she goes on to say basically that it's, it's insufficient just to say that it's wrong, right? Like you have, to, you have to flag the false statement as quickly as possible. It's interesting that, that they picked that story. That's the, um, that's the Kenosha shooter story. I'm blanking on his name already. That's embarrassing. Kyle Rittenhouse, mm -hmm. and who ended up being, it turned out it was self-defense. He ended up being acquitted. Um, but they're not only doing it, they're telling us they're doing it. They're, they're bragging about it. This is like the same phenomenon when they started using the word lie. Look at us. We, we're, we're, so, we're so bold and aggressive and you know, we're, we're basically Chuck D doing fight the power. We're going to say, call lies out when they're lies. Uh, but they're basically doing it in Man. sync with, it's a messaging apparatus. Yes. 
So here I, I, I can see I can see the next stage. News stories will have applause tracks, okay? <laughs> at the end of at the end of a story in the Washington Post or on CNN, there will be applause. Uh, there will be an expert weighs in, and they'll give themselves, you know, four Oscars or whatever, like we used to do in Spy Magazine. You know, um, Sorry, uh, was it four monocles way up? Yeah, four monocles way up. <laughs> Walter Monheit. That's that's a deep track, man, for old people. But uh, you know, but Walter Monheit declares, and uh, yeah, so you'll you'll give a piece about the House uh, going after Trump unjustly and without evidence, trying to muddy the waters, and then there'll be a little box at the bottom. Jay Rosen says, "Never have you told the truth more fully and directly." <laughs> I like how you put the without evidence in the first sentence. Usually you wait till the second paragraph. Good going, guys. And then the Washington Post responds. Thanks, Jay. We're just trying to do our jobs as independent journalists. As soon as we as soon as we got this letter from the White House. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, and then, oh, and then at man. the end, and then at the end, a fact checker will come and say, uh, "You know, Jay, boss, I love how you guys interact. I think that we should do this every week." Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It'll be instead instead of being like news, it'll be it'll be basically uh like hollywood right so and, and we'll have basically we'll have peter travers who i love by the way don't get me right, wrong right, right. i i know i know i know and love peter travers i think he's a great institution but but um four pulitzers but, pulitzer right? calling yeah exactly yeah 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 but you better better start shining up that pulitzer uh you know outstanding riveting uh i was and at the edge so, of my seat and then someday the headline will say something like you know, Washington Post vies for Pulitzer with uh, immediate response to Washington, positive response to D.C. Le letter. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, listen, dude, it's network in print. It's uh, the movie network. Uh, these people really, they, they want applause tracks. They want official accreditation. You know, fact-checking departments used to be buried in uh, magazines and newspapers.